0: Sports Grand Radio. We're sorry, the number you to dialed is not interested at this time. Three, two, three. Welcome to the Tale of the Taint. It's the pound for pound, undisputed king. It's the tale of the tape, it's time to enter the ring. Boxing knowledge dropped by Kenny and Vin. This is sweet science by some diehard fans. Manny and Floyd, I and Mike and the rest. You're tuned in to the best of the best. This is Sports Ram Radio. It's the boxing fans only show. This is Sports Ram Radio. It's the boxing fans only show. This is Sports Ram Radio. And it's time for the next episode. Welcome back to another episode of the Tale of the Tape on Sports Rant Radio. I'm your host, Kenny Keith of SportsRantRadio.com, and with me as always my partner in crime, my right-hand man, boxing connoisseur, Vince Cummings. Welcome back to the Tale of the Tape, Vince.
1: Glad to be here, as I always am.
0: Yes, sir. We are on episode 19, and like we said last week, just continuing to move along week after week as the boxing landscape diversifies and we enter into the prime time of boxing season. So, last week we did our post fight wrap up of Gennady Golovkin against Marco Antonio Rubio on episode 18, Triple G. The Rise of Gennady Golovkin. And with The Rise of Gennady Golovkin comes the curious questions of boxing fans as to what kind of numbers is Golovkin doing. It's Been the conversation throughout the rise of Triple G as to is he, are people tuning in or is this just a instant phenomenon? For some reason, boxing heads get caught into this sort of mundane repetition of kind of labeling Triple G as, ah, oh, he's not quite there. Like, he needs to do this, he needs to do that right. before he arrives. But then, these numbers say otherwise. Against, back in 2013, in his January 19 fight against King Gabe Sato, 800,000 people tuned in. Yep, so, that's quite a bit. Yeah, I mean, you want to do the math on that. That's more people tuned in for that than bought pay-per-views for Mayweather Maidana too. Right.
1: I'm thinking those eight hundred thousand would have paid to see Golovkin
0: fight too. Hindsight's fifty fifty. Right, <laughs> to quote Steve Spurrier, the old ball coach, uh, Matthew Macklin, in the same year one point one million, Curtis Stevens one point four million, Daniel Gill a million, and October eighteenth against Marco Antonio Rubio one point three million. So not only is he selling out arenas, but he's also selling more than pretty much anybody in boxing right now.
1: Yeah, I don't I don't understand if it's like some calculated thing that, that they're trying to, you know, wait for this one certain time where he's, you know, it's going to blow uh, everything. You know, we're going to launch this kid into superstardom, and they're waiting for that moment, which I guess will be, you know, his first big-name fight that he gets. When that's coming, you know, he's got Martin Murray coming up next. You know that's going to do over a million, especially because Murray is – highly popular in England so you know it, it it's really hard to say and like you said it boxing heads get wrapped up in like the the layout the landscape of how a fighter should be brought up yeah. there's only one way you can do it and this is how you do it so you know i don't know it, it's tough to say with golovkin
0: yeah i you know i think a lot of it has to do with also they were sort of waiting for that uh that perfect promotion you know that perfect storm and i think yeah, in the post-fight of of Giel, uh Triple G, when he said, uh, "This is Mexican style," you know what I mean? Like that—that right. that sort of opened the doors for something great to bring him to the West Coast. So it was sort of like all the stars aligned, and sometimes that's what it takes to right. to go national. Right. Um. You know, this was the first time we saw Triple G in the main newsfeed of of ESPN's. Uh, you know, like where basically it's all flooded with NBA and NFL crap. And then you might get something about like a baseball game at the very bottom. But Golovkin was actually on that feed, so it's interesting that these numbers came out. Uh, Showtime has recently adopted the uh, the company. I guess they sent out a memo: we're not revealing any of our miserable numbers anymore because they're embarrassed about the boxing numbers that they're <laughs> doing. Where this is the com- complete opposite, right. right? You know, and it's it's great, it's great for boxing that this kind of thing, you know, these kind of things are happening become more curious and I'm going to do a lot of research into this Vin, to really find out, maybe we can talk about it on an upcoming episode about what kind of numbers they do in England. And we're going to talk about it further in the show, but it seems like the more of the European cards that we watch, not only are they overall more entertaining.
1: Yes, definitely.
0: But I, you have to get the feeling if they're selling out arenas, that they're also getting great viewership over there as well.
1: Well, they, just look at last night. There was three big cards, yeah. and all of them televised. Yep. One, and all of them sold out.
0: Yeah, one in Monte Carlo and two in England. yeah. Yeah, and uh, and, and, and great action, great fights. Right. You know? good,
1: good fighters on all three cards.
0: So speaking of good fighters, well, not even good fighters. How about great fighters? We move to the discussion of the International Boxing Hall of Fame as it has come time of the year where – The holdovers from last year, who I guess you could call them snubs in some of their cases, and the newcomers, uh, names that have made their way onto the ballot for the first time, 30 names vying for immortality in the boxing ranks. So the conversation was stoked on ESPN by their boxing expert, Dan Raphael, And the discussion was stoked by Prince Nassim Hamed, one of the most enigmatic and controversial fighters of the last few decades in modern boxing history. Anyways, a caricature and cartoon character of a boxer who just completely took fans for epic roller coaster rides throughout his career. Yep. Stellar boxing record and his only loss coming to Marco Antonio Barrera, who is Hall of Fame worthy in my eyes. Oh, of course. So, let's talk about Prince Nasim Ahmed. I mean, you've watched his career. Yeah. And and. How do you feel about his guy? Other than his obvious, his epic ring walks. Right. You know, I mean. he, he He's
1: kind of a, it's a weird, you know, it's weird with him skill wise, talent wise. And, and throughout his career, you would say, yes, he deserves to be in the bo- boxing hall of fame for sure. But there's also some, I mean, he was kind of a, he wasn't around forever. He he, he wasn't, I mean, there was something special about him when he got in the ring. That, I mean, that goes without saying he was very flashy fast fighter, Uh, very entertaining. The fact that he got snubbed is really, really surprising. And you know, it's, it's good that they're, they're making these changes and then he's going to get this chance to get in there.
0: Yeah. I, I definitely think he deserves to be in there. Now the newcomers on the ballot are Paulie Ayala, Nigel Ben, Riddick Bowe, Chris Eubank, Leo Gomez, Janera Hernandez, Julian Jackson, Rocky Lockridge, Buddy McGirt, Boom, Boom Mancini, Sinkil Moon, Michael Moore, uh, Gussie Nazaroff, Vinny Paz, Lupe Pintor, Gilberto Roman, Gianfranco Rossi, uh, Rotten Polivor, Vorpin, Meldrick Taylor, and Fernando Vargas. I don't even think the conversation should be about Nassim Hamed being snubbed. I don't even think he's... (laughs) He's not even the best fighter on this list. No. In my opinion, and you may agree or disagree... You want to talk about the most talented fighter on this list. I'm going to go pound for pound. Riddick Bowe is the most raw talent could have went down in history as one of the greatest heavyweights to ever don. The gloves, a fighter in his prime that could have stood toe to toe with any of the greats, Muhammad Ali, any of them.
1: Probably the best jab ever, and the heav- the heaviest jab. It wasn't just a little touchy jab. Yeah, Riddick Bo was man for a five year stretch. He was dominant. Yep, and just appeared that there's not going to be a guy out there that stands a chance against this kid.
0: No, he was in an era of good heavyweights. Yeah, he was so. It was so clear. We talk about it all the time the eye test in boxing um, is is it definitely holds true. It can mm-hmm. be deceiving in other sports. But in boxing, you can tell when somebody has the goods. And for heavyweights, as heavyweights go in an era of great, of four or five really great heavyweights, talent-wise, I don't think any of them match the talent of Riddick Bowe.
1: No, there was only one guy that matched him, and that was only with Hart, and that was Holyfield. And to be honest with you, he beat Holyfield in all three fights, even though he lost the split decision in the second fight. Everybody that watched that fight knows that Riddick Bowe won the fight.
0: Yeah, but I mean, at some point you got to give the guy. It's like, hey, let's throw him a bone. I mean, he should have. He should not have survived the tenth no. round of their first fight. No, he should not have. I mean, no fighter would have survived that. I don't care what generation they come from. No, he was just getting bombs dropped on him. <laughs> George Foreman would have never made it to the tenth round. Right. You know what I mean? Ali and Frazier are probably the only two that would would have still been fighting him yep. in the tenth round. Yep. You know. Yeah, I mean, there's some great names on it. Nigel Ben was another really good fighter, man. Yeah, you know? he was.
1: He you didn't get to see a ton of Nigel Benn.
0: No, no. And, you know, he was great in spurts. Um, you know, so I think it's an interesting list. And, yeah, I think Nassim Ahmed deserves to be in. But a bigger travesty would be if Riddick Bowe doesn't get in. I know the way that his life sort of unraveled there. Right. You know, for a while. And his uh, his well-documented story, I think it was like a five-part series in the Washington Post, was one of the best pieces of sports journalism Um, That I've ever read. I'm
1: going to have to go back and read that. Yeah.
0: I mean, that was, it was such a captivating story where you really felt like you could relate some of your, like, your shortcomings as as a human being. uh, Any of us could have related to it. Right. And, you know, I will always have Riddick Bo is my favorite heavyweight of all time. And because of, he's involved in probably, arguably, one of my top three favorite fights of all time in. Bo Holyfield won.
1: Yeah, and you know that was in our our youth. Yeah, watching those fights. So I, yeah,
0: yeah, because when we were young, when we were young sports fans, we only got to see the big ones. But you only got to see the heavyweight yeah. fights. Exactly, exactly. Um, yeah, especially the, the era that we grew up in. Fortunately, we were able to see him. And those that have, uh, that are a bit younger, that are, you know, jumping into boxing, um, they really need to go back and check out. The classic footage of of one, of one Riddick bow. But speaking of young boxing fans, last night my wife and I we go out to dinner, and we're sitting there talking about. I just booked our hotel for uh, Alien Crusher mm-hmm. on November eighth in Atlantic City, and we were just kind of talking about like she was asking about like what's what's it like there, like what what's the Tropicana like. Mm-hmm. You know, I told her there's you know it's kind of an all in one place shopping, food, right, casino hotel it's it's everything it's it's very woman friendly yeah um and uh, so we were in that conversation and then we actually started talking about the fight a little bit and our server walks over and i kid you not dude he just start just jumps and says, oh i heard you guys talking about boxing i felt like sort of like a scene from fight club like this underground secret society where somebody overheard us and like was like hey you know You're, that's funny yeah you know what i mean like mm-hmm. And, and, and during the conversation, I told the kid, I was like, you know, it's so funny, like finding boxing fans, like whether you're at a bar or, you know, you're, you're at work and interacting with other people, like occasionally a conversational up and then somebody will jump in as if like, they've been like hiding the fact that they were a boxer. Well, kid. yeah.
1: You just never get the conversation and, you know, everyday sports talk. So when you hear it, I'm the same way. When I hear somebody talking about boxing, I want to,
0: Ooh, 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 yeah.
1: let me in that conversation.
0: Yeah. That's exactly how he was. And the funny part was, he, he kept asking me, so uh, what about this guy? What about this guy? What about this guy? And he goes, so when's Keith Thurman going to fight again? And this kid, I wish I would have taken a picture of him. You can, ask, <laughs> you, you can ask Amy, looked like Keith Thurman's stunt double. Did he really? The same skin complexion. This kid was Hispanic. He wasn't mixed. Right. But same skin complexion, same exact ponytail. Like, <laughs> dude, he was even built like him. I mean... He was just like, oh, I'm a huge T Thurman fan. I was like, Yeah, I wonder why you look just like
1: him. Was he was the kid an amateur fighter or
0: he, yeah, I mean he's trained in the uh in the Martinsburg area. He's trained with um a couple guys that used to train back in the day with uh with Foreman and um and Sugar Ray Leonard. Yeah. Yeah. But uh yeah, it, it was really interesting talking to him and it's it's nice when when you see like a young boxing fan like, you know, he fa- I I told him a little bit about our show. And he just was, and once he heard that, he just started peppering me with questions. <laughs> but it was great, man. I felt, yeah. you know, it was like, man, that's, that's, that's kind of nice. Uh, so anyways, I thought that that was something pretty cool to throw in there before we move on. So speaking of Alien Crusher, that, that leads us into the fight that, that you and I have been waiting for uh, in much anticipation. The Undercard has been revealed. We heard the co-feature welterweight fight between Saddam Ali and Luis Carlos Obregu we knew about that because as as things go in boxing, James Kirkland and Gay, King Gabe Bersado were scheduled to be that undercard until Kirkland mysteriously backed out. So Saddam Ali and Luis Carlos Abregu were plugged in. But the rest of the card has been announced, and Najib Muhammadi, 35-3, 21, knockouts, will face Demetrius Walker. Now, <clears throat> this is kind of interesting. Najib Muhammadi was the IVF mandatory fight Right for Bernard Hopkins. And apparently this was their, the bone that they threw him to kind of keep peace of them. So he wouldn't throw a fit. Yeah. That's funny, man. You know, they, they, they give him a nice hefty payday throw him on the card. That's going to get know. you a
1: televised fight and yeah. all that. Yeah.
0: So, I mean, I guess that's cool of golden boy, uh, to do that. Right. But, you know? Um, so anyways, uh, then we move on to main events it is going to be throwing some, uh, some of their fighters on the card that, that we have seen in some of their NBC fights and their undercard will feature 2008 Olympic bronze medalist from the Ukraine, a heavyweight contender. They call the czar in Vyacheslav Glaskov, who's 18 and 0 with 11 knockouts. Glaskov actually has a signature win against a really uh, crafty veteran in Thomas Adamic and will face former cruiserweight challenger and heavy handed slugger from Miami, Florida, the ding man, Darnell Wilson. God, I cannot. When I saw his name
1: on that card, I was like, you got to be kidding me. This guy, the ding man, still rings the
0: bell. The ding man. Dude, that has got. Does he ring walk out to my ding Yo, ding I want you to play with your own ding he, he ought to be coming out to that. <laughs> that would be awesome. Yeah. That would be awesome. Uh, more fights. Ukrainian light heavyweight. Uh, Vacheslav Shabronsky is 10 0 with eight knockouts. Takes on Puerto Rico's Emil Gonzalez in a 10 rounder. Philadelphia featherweight Eric Hunter will take on William Gonzalez of Nicaragua in another 10 rounder. Another Miami based fighter, Cuban light heavyweight Sullivan Barrera, who's 13 0 with eight knockouts, will take on Roland Bryant of Florida in an eight rounder. Uh, Russian 168 pounder Andre Sierra Token is uh, 4 uh, 0 versus Michael Mitchell a local product of Patterson, New Jersey. Uh, Isn't Patterson, New Jersey where the hurricane's from? I believe so. Yep. Uh, Ruben Hurricane Carter. And lightweight Ryan Martin of Chattanooga, Tennessee, 8-0, four knockouts, takes on Isaac Gonzalez of Tucson, Arizona, and a four-rounder. So good thing, I guess, with this is, if we want to look at a bright side, is uh, we're going to get some undefeated up-and-comers we'll get to take a look at for the first time.
1: Yeah, it's always nice to to catch a fighter on his way up and, and get a look at him. You know, you have you never get a chance to see guys like that, and when you get a chance to see them, it gives you something to look forward to in their career going forward.
0: Absolutely, I'm lo- I'm 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 really looking forward to seeing, uh, Shabronsky and Sullivan Barrera, um, two hopefuls with good records so far that right. have a high knockout percentage. Mm-hmm. So hopefully, we'll get to see a couple knockouts in that fight. Maybe that's why they. They wanted to make up for the inevitable knockout that was Rosado Kirkland. Right, Somebody was going to die in that fight. God. So speaking of knockout artists and speaking of King Gabe Rosado, this one tickles the pickle of every boxing fan. Montreal middleweight and revered puncher David Lemieux will make his USA debut when he takes on King Gabe Rosado December 6th at the Barclays Center. In Brooklyn, New York. When you first heard about this fight, what did you think, then?
1: I, th- I thought this was... Lemieux's got some balls yeah. to come here and face Rosado for his first fight. I mean, Rosado is going to put you to the test. That, that is one thing we know about him. And, you know, Lemieux is looking to get that, that signature win and take that next step. If he's able to do it against Rosado, he will. But this man... I I give him credit for taking it, I'll tell you that, and his management's got some serious balls.
0: Absolutely. King Gabe Rosado is arguably, uh, pound for pound, you could probably put him in top five toughest fighters on the planet. Oh, yeah, definitely. He gave Triple G, by far, his most competitive fight in a fight that Rosado marked up Triple G's face, and Rosado would have went the distance with Golovkin had he not bled out in the ring. Right. That was the bloodiest fight I have ever seen. Rosado would not give up. No. His corner threw in the towel, and he would have went the distance with Golovkin. There's no doubt in my mind. If it was up to him, he'd have finished that fight. Oh, absolutely. But he was—he would have died from uh, uh, you know blood loss before yeah. he would have finished that fight. Um, <clears throat> yeah, but needless to say, this is great, because I remember the first time I saw David Lemieux, and... I think I might have been watching him with you a couple years ago, and I said I said to you, I was like, dude, when is this dude going to fight in the United States? Right. He, talk about somebody that puts every ounce of his existence into every punch. Yeah, he's an exciting fighter, and man. Throws massive uppercuts. Love this guy. So anyways, a little backstory on David Lemieux. Uh, Lemieux was at one time one of boxing's best and brightest prospects, and then... This little thing called the year 2011 happened, and he lost back-to-back fights. He was absolutely destroying Marco Antonio yes, Rubio, he was. absolutely destroying him, and completely ran out of gas. And Rubio, like anybody else who runs out of gas in a fight, just like uh, Jermaine Taylor was right. beating Carl Froch, and just petered out in the twelfth round. And Froch knocked him out. Yep. The same exact thing happened, but earlier in the fight. And that was one of Lemieux's biggest knocks earlier in his career as he was up and coming, is maybe he was relying on his punch too much and wasn't coming into the fights in shape, and he didn't have that many rounds under his belt. He learned his lesson. Absolutely. No doubt about that. Um, but then he followed that up with a majority decision loss to fellow Quebecer uh, junior middleweight titleist, Joshi Malsine. Uh, both outcomes were regarded as just devastating upsets. But since then, Lemieux has racked Seven fights in a row, um, which includes uh, just an outstanding display and a third round blowout of Fernando Guerrero on Showtime on May tw- uh uh I'm sorry, uh back on May twenty fourth. That was an awesome fight. That was um one of the first times you had seen Lemieux in a while really go just you know, straight up gangster on his opponent. He he's got I believe it's six of his last seven. Yeah, I think so. Knocked yeah. out. Mm-hmm.
1: So, yeah, he, Rosado's in for a night, too. Let's let's not get it twisted. He, there's, this kid is is going to put Rosado to the test as well. He's, Rosado's going to have to be as tough as ever.
0: It'll be an interesting test to see what, what, what sort of boxer Lemieux is because right. Rosado can box. Yeah. You know, he can get in and out. Rosado has a really good jab. Yep. So it's going to be interesting to see uh, how he handles the movement of Rosado. Yeah,
1: and with those two losses, I mean, you have to give a a really good chance to Rosado winning that fight.
0: Oh, absolutely, Rosado will go the distance. Yeah, going to take a freak punch. Lemieux has the power, but this is a really you couldn't have replaced. David Lemieux is the white Canadian version of James Franklin. Right. You know he yeah. really he really is. Yeah. I Made mean, like they 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 fight identically. Um. So, anyways, the uh, the rest of the card on December sixth at the Barclays Center will feature a middleweight bout between James De La Rosa, who we saw on the undercard of mayhem, uh, beat, I guess somewhat, I don't even know if you want to call it impressive fashion against El Perro, Alfredo and Gulo and Gulo really looked, <laughs> I, 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 didn't even know if Angulo that was a knew he was in a horrible display. That was a horrible display. And Dale fight. Rosa yeah. almost punched himself out of the yes, fight. Yes, he did. And Angulo almost knocked his ass out there at the end. If there was one more round, he would have been in trouble. Yeah. So he'll take on Hugo Centeno, um, so now we move on to another announcement. There's been a lot of things going on in in boxing as um, I think Showtime has and Al Heyman have really been feeling the pressure of being completely outgunned all year. This has been the worst year of boxing for Showtime since before Mike Tyson started fighting for them. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it, it really has been, has been. Yeah,
1: it's been really, really bad.
0: So one of, I guess... I guess I guess he's a star. I I I have a hard time calling him a star because he agitates the hell out of me. Um one of the dirtiest, ugliest fighters, one of the most skilled fighters with just the opposite for as skilled as he is, his chin is equally unskilled. Yeah. Amir Khan, 29 and 3 with 19 knockouts. He's a 27-year-old of England has Three victories in a row since he lost back-to-back in 140-pound bouts against Danny Garcia, who just completely destroyed him, and Lamont Peterson, which was kind of a controversial decision. But at the same time, you can't say that Peterson was gifted anything in that fight. No. So, But he'll take on Devin Alexander, who lost his IBF championship to one Sean Porter in a really good fight who's 26-2 and two with 14 knockouts, a 27-year-old from St. Louis. He, As I said, he was a former belt holder at 140 and 147, and he thought he was going to be able to fight Khan previously, a fight that Khan actually backed backed out of, but um, this looks like it's going to be a pretty interesting matchup. This could go many different ways, don't you think?
1: I, yeah, I, I don't like the matchup for Khan off the break. Uh, Alexander's just kind of one of those guys that, Kind of got a. It's not your straightforward boxing style. It's a little more awkward, a little more different launching points for mm-hmm. punches. Likes to stand in the pocket and trade. Khan is not that type of fighter. He's going to want to try to keep it on the outside and keep you on the end of his jab and his speedy punches and get in and out. I, I just really, I don't like the matchup for Khan. I, I do not at all.
0: You think Khan's going to try to hug him to death?
1: I think he's going to stay on the move. You think so? Yeah, I think he's gonna be on the move.
0: Yeah, I have a feeling that one, you're right. I agree with you. I think he's gonna I think he's gonna skate the outside of the ring as much as possible. But I do feel that once they do engage, I think Khan is going to try to wrap him up as oh as, yeah as, as soon as they do.
1: Yeah, yeah, when it gets close, yeah, you're right. He he will definitely he does not wanna fight on the inside with Alexander. Much Alexander's got much shorter punches. So yeah, that would that would be The wrong thing for him to do is try to stay in there and trade.
0: Also on the card is an interesting matchup that we've heard talk about, um, but has been confirmed by Oscar De La Hoya is Demetrius Andrade, Demetrius Andrade, Boo Boo, 21-0, 14 knockouts. The 26-year-old will defend his belt when he takes on Jermel Charlo. The one of the famed Charlo brothers, or the Charlos—I like to call them Charlos Sparring Partners Incorporated—pretty <laughs> <laughs> much what these two do. They're they're actually pretty good ringside. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm surprised they're not commentating on fights more. Yeah, often. They,
1: they are good. Uh, that's that's going to be a, a very interesting fight too. This is, I think, by far Showtime's best one-two, and we don't—we may get a third one, or we're going to get a third one from somebody. We don't know exactly who yet mm-hmm. in in stone, but. Yeah, I, I'm, Showtime needed to do this. And it's not even really that great of a card. It's just, thank you for not trying to shove something down my throat that's complete bullshit.
0: Yeah. No, I, I agree with you. What what this is, is you're giving us competitive fights right. from either touted prospects or established fighters in Khan and Alexander. Um, yeah, it, it'll be an interesting fight. It, it's going to be a fight of, of, of flat-footed, fast black guys. Um It doesn't appeal to me. This isn't my kind of fight. Right. You know what I mean? I don't like to see two guys try to out-athlete one another and have, like, a strike a pose. Um, Like, who's the coolest contest? Right. Like, Al Heyman fighters are more concerned about, (laughs) you know, what necklace am I going to wear during the post-fight? Which brush am I going to get my daddy to brush my locks with? You know. (laughs) I don't know, man. Not your cup of tea, huh? No. No, not the styles I like to watch whatsoever. If it turns into a... A slobber knocker. I'm down for one I, of those.
1: I think it's going to be more of a chess match boxing on the outside and, you know, it's probably going to be not the most entertaining fight. A bunch of stationary jabs all night? Yeah. it's. I I don't think you're going to get in there and see those guys trading on the inside.
0: No. It'll come in very limited spurts. Yep. So, the third bout is the one I'm actually most intrigued about, and... Let's hope this happens because for some damn reason Keith Thurman is being shelved and it may have something to do with much speculated discontent in the Al Heyman ranks that oh, Keith yeah. Thurman has. Yeah. So Keith Thurman, let's just pray, keep our fingers crossed that he does fight on this card because he's definitely uh one of my favorite fighters, and I know he is one of your very favorite fighters. Oh yeah,
1: he's as far as young prospects go, that's that's my guy right now.
0: Yeah. And I hope for for your sake as a boxing fan, and for my sake as somebody that that desperately yearns for action fights, right? That Keith Thurman gets his ass in the ring and fights. And if he doesn't, I don't believe it's going to be his fault.
1: No, he's he's made it clear that he's not happy with with the way he's being handled. He he wants to fight.
0: He should be fighting four times a year. Period.
1: Yeah, at least three times, and it, it's just ridiculous. And there's they're talk that it's going to be Bundu and, you know, an old guy, undefeated, of course, but I mean, it's just not the type of fight that he needs to be fighting right now to advance his career.
0: No, it's going to be a, it's going to be a first or second round knockout. Yeah, You know, and it, it, it's going to be
1: Bundu has been a sheltered fighter that hasn't come out and, and really faced anybody of any significance. So,
0: and he's only knocked out 11 of the 31 opponents. So right. there's nothing that he possesses that will even remotely threat Keith Thurman.
1: To me, Thurman has the same he could be built up with the same type of buzz that Golovkin is, but they don't do they don't handle him right. No. Whatsoever.
0: They don't. You're right. And he could be the American version of Triple G. Yeah. And, and it's a damn shame. But, you know, I mean at the end of the at the end of the day, we all know we can sit here and try to BS about it and complain about it all we want to. Al Heyman is not in the business of making uh, memorable fights he's in the business of making stacks of greenbacks yeah he's
1: he's not a fan pleaser he's a pocket pocket packer
0: <laughs> pocket packer <laughs> <laughs> oh, pocket pack. he's a pocket packer <laughs> <laughs> oh man so on the same evening golden boy will be promoting a fight on an hbo top rank promoted fight card december 13th Features Timothy Bradley against Diego Chavez and Mauricio Herrera, a Golden Boy fighter, will be fighting on the undercard. This people are trying to make a big deal about the fact that Oscar's promoting that you know there's gonna be Golden Boy fighters rivaling each other at the same time on rival networks this well you dude, this is a an olive branch you right. know what i mean this is the, the, he's the, doing the right
1: thing for his fighter
0: yeah he's, do, he's doing the right thing for his fighter and he's doing the right thing in repairing relationships you have to, these fights have to happen right and, and this kind of thing's gonna happen yeah exactly if you, if you're gonna repair you know friendships and business relationships uh, i'm pretty sure you ask
1: any boxing fan they could care less because they're getting plenty of fights that night yeah. whether it's Golden Boy on Showtime or HBO, we don't care. Just no. let's fight.
0: No, we don't care. And that's why they invented a thing called a DVR. Exactly. You know? So.
1: What, what? Which one of these cards intrigues you more?
0: I think that the Diego Chavez, Timothy Bradley fight is going to be a fight of the year candidate.
1: Yeah, I think that's going to be the best <laughs> fight of the night. And then you got Korobov Lee on there, too.
0: Yeah, so, yeah, I, I mean, I don't know, man. I just think... We've talked about this time and time again, and for those who are not familiar, well, now I'm not even going to say familiar. There's a lot of really dire boxing fans out there that may not have caught on, caught on to what we've caught on to here right. that, about Timothy Bradley fighting his opponent's style. Yeah. He's like a chameleon. You know, he, <laughs> he just mimics you. Yep. You know, he doesn't come out with any game plan. He's like, okay, how's this guy going to do it? Let's do it. Right. You know, you want to box, let's box. You want right. to brawl, let's brawl and Diego Chavez is gonna want to muck it up. Oh, he's and, a little little dirty. Yeah. A little and, on the dirty side. Timothy Bradley has been involved in some some brawls in his career. So this is just gonna be another notch on his belt. And I, I think it's a can't miss fight.
1: I think you're gonna be D V R and Showtime and watching HBO.
0: Yeah, absolutely, dude. <laughs> yeah, there's no doubt about that. I don't think there's there's any other way to uh to cut that cake, man.
1: Yeah, I, I think that's what I'm going to do, too.
0: Because, look, you know, Mauricio Herrera, I have not seen him in a bad fight. I'm impressed with his ability every time I see him.
1: He beat Danny Garcia in he, my eyes.
0: He absolutely beat Danny Garcia. Um, you know, and the Korobov-Andy Lee fight has such huge ramifications for the middleweight division because, they're one, they're fighting for the vacant WBO belt that the coward Kid Chocolate vacated um, at the bequest of his handler, Al Heyman. And so now Korobov and Lee are going to throw down for this belt. And it looks like the winner of this fight is going to fight the winner of triple G Martin Murray. So this has huge ramifications. I'm more interested in, in the career path of one triple G. I don't care about these, these, these heartless Heyman guys. I don't Right. No, I'd... because if you sign with Heyman, it means you're greedy, right? You know, he does nothing great for your career. What he does is he keeps you healthy and temporarily gives you money.
1: The only thing he did great was get Floyd Mayweather an exorbitant contract with a with a network for, you know, six fights and 200 million or whatever it was.
0: And that's his now permanent bargaining right. chip right. to sign all these other guys.
1: That'll ne- that deal will never happen again and I think it's been, you know, we know as 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 it's been 2 years into it. Showtime's probably not making that much money off of this deal. Yeah. They may even be
0: losing money. Dude, their numbers have been garbage this year. There's no way they're making any money. And look, like that Al Heyman blueprint has even convinced somebody like Danny Garcia, who has looked great against bad fighters and or fighters with glass jaws and has looked horrible against people that bring it to him. Right. Right. Danny Garcia thinks like Al Heyman or somebody has convinced Danny Garcia that he is as marketable and like he started his own clothing line.
1: Yeah. The the DSG.
0: Yeah. And it's. So unbelievably a rip-off of what, Flo- of what Floyd does. Yeah. You know, somebody made a comment on Twitter. If Danny Garcia can sell t-shirts, then Triple G should have his own Triple G stores and malls across America. Yeah,
1: no kidding. That's, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, there, I don't know too many big Danny Garcia fans. I mean, unless you're a diehard boxing fan. There, Who they, talks about Danny Garcia outside of a, a conversation between me and you?
0: There's this Puerto Rican guy that calls in to... Uh, um. The next round was Steve Kim. Yeah, and uh, Gabe Rosado. Have you have you heard that guy? Danny no. Garcia's number one hater. No, I haven't he's, heard of. He, he's a he's a Puerto Rican. Yeah. and he like speaks on behalf of of like Puerto Rico, <laughs> and like basically saying that this dude is a total sham.
1: Right. And, I mean, hey, look, he's he's an undefeated fighter. You know, he deserves some some type of respect,
0: but not when you act like that. Yeah, he's got the same mind frame that Andre Ward does. He thinks he he think, he, he thinks that it's it, that the respect is due to him. Right. instead of earning the res- everybody respects Andre Ward and Danny Garcia and their records and their ability to fight. Right. Everybody the reason why nobody likes them as people is because they think they're bigger than they actually are. Yeah, they
1: need to step out of si- outside of the bubble of their own little world that they, you know, they walk around in where everybody tells them how great they are all the time.
0: Yeah. Well, as long as uh, as long as Danny Garcia keeps his dad around, that will never change yeah, you are exactly right. That's a nut job um so okay, back, let's veer back onto the road <laughs> right. uh, so yeah, so Korboff and Andy Lee was added to Bradley and Chavez. That's official. Let's move to last night's action that e s p n picked up, and it was a really smart move after the the feedback and popularity of triple G Rubio and the WBC sort of alignment relationship going on here with the path and the attempt of triple G getting at the winner of Canelo Cotto. So triple G said after the Martin Murray, uh, Domenico spot a fight that Martin Murray would be since, since, uh, Cotto and Canelo look like they're going to be fighting each other next that Martin Murray was the most logical. Cause I think Martin Murray is the WBC silver champion yep. in, in the middleweight division. Yep. so, Triple G already owns the interim WBC belt after the victory against Rubio. So this would be, not only is Martin Murray the best available opponent, there's no doubt about that. Yeah. Um, But anyways, to the fight. So Martin Murray takes on Domenico Spada as the featured bout on a card that took place in Monte Carlo. Murray improves to 29-1-1 with 12 knockouts. The 31-year-old won a seventh round TKO against Italy's Domenico Spada, who now moves to 39-6 and with 19 knockouts. And the scorecards went 69-67, 68-63, 67-66 in a pretty much ridiculously sloppy fight that Spada wanted to Greco-Roman wrestle Murray instead of actually fight. Murray is a slick, natural boxer. Right. Very well-rounded, very, very sharp, much more sharp um, sort of a prototypical how you would want a boxer to be built from the ground up. Right. Daniel Gill was a scrappy fighter, not as as sharply tuned as Martin Murray is.
1: I think that's a fair statement. I I will say that, you know, that was one of the less impressive wins of Martin Murray's recent fights. Yeah.
0: Well, anytime you fight a guy like Arthur Abraham uh, or you fight a guy like Dominico Spada or Sam Solomon or... Any of these awkward, just, right. You know, unorthodox fighters.
1: Yeah, that definitely comes into play and will affect your performance.
0: Saki Obika. Right. These guys that bring just uh, really like. I don't,
1: you got to figure out how to fight all over again when you're in the ring with those guys because yeah. you, you've never seen anything like it before.
0: It pretty much be. Yeah, you're right. It, it, it pretty much becomes a street brawl with 10 ounce gloves on. Um, so Tom Loeffler said, after the fight, we feel Martin Murray is the best challenger challenger possible. We feel that he beat Sergio Martinez in, in Argentina and Sturm in Germany, and we think he beats the other champions. I'd say Martin Murray would beat Jermaine Taylor and Miguel Cotto. Uh, Gennady against Murray is a fight between the two best middleweights. I think Gennady's knockout streak will continue.
1: I would agree. I would agree. Now, I, I would agree with everything said before that, where this is. The best middleweight that he has available to fight right now, uh, it's not. Even, it's really not even close. No, I agree that Murray beat Sturm and probably beat Sergio. If it wasn't in Argentina, would have been a different outcome, probably. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, you couldn't go wrong making this matchup. I don't think.
0: No, not at all. I, the thing is, though, is that you know Murray doesn't offer anything of consequence on his punches. Some. No. Uh, the commentator of the fight said that one the only knock that he has on the the overall total package of Martin Murray is that he doesn 't follow through with his punches no
1: he he's, he's, he pulls them back, yeah they seem they seem soft,
0: yeah, yeah, he does not punch through your face. he's no. sort of like eh, I hit you 'll bring it back, yep, so Randy Caballero put on a nice display and improved the twenty two and oh with thirteen knockouts A twenty four year old from Coachella, California won a unanimous decision against England's Stuart Hall in a fight that had some pretty interesting banter leading up to it, a fight that almost broke out during during the weigh-in. But now Caballero takes the vacant weight world title in a competitive fight that uh, Caballero knocked Hall down uh, with a nice left-right combination in the second and went on to win a pretty lopsided scorecard. Did you think that 118, 110, 116, 111 times 2 was fitting for that fight? Uh,
1: I I have written down that I thought the cards could have been a little bit closer.
0: Yeah? Yeah. I thought so, too. I thought that Stuart Hall was game. Caballero just seemed to throw. The the way they finished
1: that fight, that last 30 seconds of that 12th round, yeah. I mean, just the wildest hooking I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, Those that, guys left it in the ring, man.
0: Yeah, you could tell they didn't like each other. No, uh-uh. <laughs> just unfortunately, both of them didn't punch quite hard enough to end the fight right. in the in the fashion that you, uh, you'd you like to see between, let's say, a Frotch Groves when there is legitimate distaste for right. one another. Um, in another fight, Hecky Butler, interesting character. Yeah. At first, I was kind of like, what, what is the hell's this? up with that pink hair? Yeah, what is this joker doing? But then, I forgot it was still October, and uh, <laughs> he was actually fighting right. um, for charitable causes, but uh, he's... Widely regarded as the best strawweight on the planet. Uh
1: he's very tall for a strawweight
0: <laughs> fighter. Very yeah, long, very long. You can almost kind of see through him.
1: I, I was impressed. He's like that-
0: transparent, right? You can see his organs. He's so skinny.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I was seriously impressed with the kid, man. I mean, even though he he overcame the early knockdown, yeah, and got back up, and I think I sent you a text. I, he
0: really reminds me of Terence Crawford. His oh, style. Ac- yep. Ac- yeah. Uh, lanky. Yeah. Uh, sort of. Does it all. Yeah. Total package. Fights from every angle.
1: Can shorten up nicely. Yep. Can shorten his punches up nicely. So yeah, that I was I was impressed with that kid. First yeah. time I've ever seen him fight.
0: Yeah, and I you know what I tell you what, man, his uh his opponent, the former belt holder Zhang uh, zhao zhong Zhaozhong, he was uh, he was game dude, oh my he's god he's a tough little sucker wouldn't he? He was throwing
1: bombs <laughs> yeah, jumping in just with bad intentions yeah, man. he reminded
0: me of like a little mini Asian version of yuri gamboa
1: yeah that, that I was thinking when i 'm watching that fight, it reminded me <laughs> of Crawford. Crawford Gamboa it was exactly the same
0: yeah it well it definitely if you would have like if I would have taken my glasses off and I like, watched it in blurred vision <laughs> then <Right. laughs> maybe the pink hair and the they really like <laughs> the opposite of a suntan that Hecky Butler had. <laughs> but this is something that people talk about in boxing circles, that these straw weight, the little guys, the under 120-pound guys, they need to put these guys as appetizers on big cards because every fight involving these little guys is awesome. Yeah, they throw down, man. Yeah, dude. It's all. I don't know if it's
1: like they just don't have the power to knock each other out or what it is, but it just seems like... Every fight down there is a phone booth fight yeah. where you're just getting guys just trading unbelievable shots mm-hmm. and walking through unbelievable shots. It's just great drama, man.
0: Yeah, Hecky Butler looks I agree with you. He doesn't he doesn't seem like he belongs at strawweight. I no. mean, and obviously he's not big enough to fight anywhere else, but he fights like a lightweight. He fights like a 140 pounder, a 135 he pounder. He does. You know, he fights like a lightweight junior welterweight welterweight, you know, he has that built. hmm And uh I tell you what, man, I don't know about you, but the scorecards one eighteen to one oh eight. That was a little bit far fetched. That's kind of disrespectful to to Zong, don't you think?
1: Yeah, I I mean, come on, the other two were one fourteen, one twelve. Why why is there such a disparaging gap there? I
0: <laughs> Yeah. What
1: were you watching?
0: Yeah, I'm with you, man. I, I scored the fight one fourteen, one twelve and uh Hecky Butler's got a new fan in me, man. I hope I see him again. Yeah,
1: yeah, I'm going to keep my eye out for him, definitely.
0: Absolutely. Now we move on to one of my favorite, favorite, favorite fighters. As we now know, that Martin Murray will be facing off with Triple G sometime probably end of January, early February in Monte Carlo, where Triple G has fought twice before. So we move on to... One of my favorite prospects, probably one of the top five boxing prospects on the planet, and that brings us to the 2012 Olympic gold medalist Luke Campbell. Yeah, they call him Cool Hand Luke. They call him the Golden Boy over in England. He he fights
1: like it and then looks like it.
0: Man, I tell you what, he's a good-looking kid. You know, fighting at 135 pounds at five foot nine and a half with a 71 inch reach. Um, this kid. Dude, he has it all. Yeah, he's got a beautiful
1: one, two. Uh, I mean, his straight left is brutal. Yeah, sneaky and hard.
0: You know, who, his straight left looks almost mirror imaged pound for pound to the straight right of Sergey Kovalev.
1: Yeah, you're right. You're exactly right.
0: Sort of, he can throw it high, he can throw it low.
1: Shoot it in your chest, yeah. or shoot it in your gut, or shoot it in your face. <laughs> 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 He shoots it everywhere.
0: <laughs> oh, he is cool and too cool. Oh, cool hand, Oh, how do you how do you step forward out of that one? <laughs> oh man. So Luke Campbell, who just completely blew through his first eight fights of his career. Uh, this was definitely his first test Briswela was involved in a fight of the year candidate against Uh, one of Campbell's arch rivals and Tommy Coyle. And, um, you know, on paper leading into the fight, I thought that this was going to be a much more even matchup. But as soon as they stood in the ring with one another, the first thing that came to my mind was is. Did Brizuela steal Sergio Martinez's shorts God. from the Kodo fight? Did you see those things? They are capri pants, weren't they? Yeah, dude. <laughs> those things were MC Hammer pants with the
1: bottoms cut out. You had the exact opposite and Campbell hiking his up. Oh, my gosh, man.
0: <laughs> uh, that made him look even smaller wearing I, those. I know. Yeah, I know. Campbell had his freaking Larry Bird shorts on. <laughs> you know?
1: Check out my nuts, guys.
0: <laughs> oh, man, I'll tell you what. The thing with Campbell is, is you have a, a kid – He's not even a kid. He's 27 years old, but now 9 to 0 and he is as slick as they come. Man. He he passes the eye test with with flying colors for sure. Absolutely. And now Britain has some of the most like the brightest stars uh in prospect boxing and Anthony Joshua And Luke Campbell. And Luke Campbell is a star. Oh, yeah. He is a star in London. That place was electric when he came out, and they love that kid. Can you imagine this kid, let's say, two or three years from now, is a 30-year-old world title holder maybe, right? Has one of the belts, fighting, and it's probably not going to happen because they're both going to move and wait. But I can just picture this matchup that would be boxing at its best, live from Las Vegas, Terrence Crawford versus Luke Campbell oh, yeah. to unify the lightweight division. That would be a great fight. That and at that great. point, they both might be fighting at 140 pounds anyway. Right. Yeah, I think they definitely will. Yeah. So there is a. Yeah, those guys are going to be tracking
1: each other, I think, for, you know, 10, yes. 10
0: years. Yes. There is um, paralleling paths between Luke Campbell and Terrence Crawford. So keep your eyes out for Campbell. Um, he is right now taking. British boxing by storm. So we move into, this is just great. I think it's great that here at the tail of the tape, we are diving further and further into the, um, you know, the European cards, because what's important for boxing is, is that the quality keeps up and guys like Sauerland and Eddie Hearn um, and K2 they are and 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 all of the you know the smaller promoters overseas they understand that it is a show, right? And they understand that rivalries need to be built. There's a, a big reason why they schedule fights so far in advance over there. Sometimes is because they believe in building the tension, right? And you're on a small island, right? And there is a lot of pride in England. Oh yeah, amongst men. Yes. Right. Yes. And the competition in boxing over there is they all want to be the best from England. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's nothing like, oh, who's the best fighter from Maryland? Who's the best fighter from Georgia? Right. No. Or California. Or It doesn't work like that in the no. United States. Fighters are too spread out right. in a huge country. Right. Over there, there is 100% pride on the line. At all times. Yeah, these fighters not only
1: represent England, but inside of England, they're little small provinces where they they get the entire town or city behind them. And I'm not, the entire town and city, it's ridiculous.
0: it's the same, it's their fandom and their loyalty to, uh, let's example, Nottingham, their love and admiration to Carl Frotch. Right. And London's love and admiration for George Groves. Like, these sort of things is, are, is, is founded in the same exact passion and fandom and fandomonium uh, that they love their soccer teams with. Right. You know? It's the exact same way. They walk the streets in their colors going to, to as they say, football matches over there, you know? The, the people
1: are ready to, to fight in the streets over, over their guy and what they believe and how they believe their guy is better than your guy.
0: No, dude, you're exactly right. And there is no bigger bigger rivalry right now over in England than the ongoing spat. And, dude, the, they fought in 2011, and this thing is still bubbling over. Yeah. In the cleverly Bellu card. Now, <sighs> November 22nd, that's supposed to be Manny Pacquiao's night, right? Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's Pacquiao, Jerry, we get Vasiliy Lomachenko, Zo schming no, no, no. There is something even bigger going on in England. Uh, there's a rival pay-per-view. It won't be rivaled over here unless right. we can please somehow purchase this. Because I will purchase and DVR both of these. Oh,
1: definitely. The card, card is
0: loaded. The rematch between Tony Bellew and Nathan Cleverly. Now, if people do not remember the 12-round fight between the two of them prior, it was a highly contested match that Cleverly actually won pretty clearly on the cards, but it was much, much closer. And Belue felt extremely slighted. Cleverly, the slick boxer, Belue, the heavier puncher. Right. Soon after this fight in 2011, Nathan Cleverly got absolutely embarrassed by Sergey Kovalev. Yes. So now this thing keeps going on. Anytime they are in the same arena together, they go at it. Yes. And Eddie Hearn is standing right in between the two of them. Trying to talk to the cameras while these two are screaming at each other. Right. So it's great. They are headlining. People are like, what? How's Bellew cleverly? How is this possibly a pay per view? Go ahead and read the rest of them fights. <laughs> Scott Quigg, James DeGale, Jamie McDonald, Callum Smith, and Anthony Joshua are all on the card. James DeGale is taking on Marco Antonio Parabon. Okay.
1: It's going to be a very, very good
0: fight. Scott Quigg's taking on Hidden Narrow Itaki. In a junior featherweight fight, and the the little guys of Asian ilk, yeah, bring it, oh of course, they bring it, um, and then added to this card, one of our favorite fighters, and I know I can speak for myself here, one of probably my ten favorite fighters is St George groves joins the party, yeah, I'm sure <laughs> a month off of his last fight, yeah I, 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 Dude, how how does this get any you're you're packing the biggest stars in all of British boxing where and you know what the best part is? Carl Froch will probably be ringside announcing this fight. Right. So he'll be there too.
1: And you get the best their best young heavyweight prospect in Anthony Joshua. Yeah, man. man you get a little bit of everything from yeah. this card.
0: Yeah, it's funny and it's so perfect. It's it's so perfect. Only George Groves can say stuff like this. He's the only man on the planet that has, he is the, he is the best one liners oh, yeah. in all of boxing. They'll get you thinking. He's, what? Yeah, he'll be like,
1: What did what? he just say? Did he just say that?
0: He, yeah, it, sometimes if you read it and did not know him and his personality, right. you think this guy's a moron. Yeah. <laughs> he says, I look forward to getting back in the ring. This is a chance for me to impress on a big card. I plan to steal the show. <laughs> <laughs> he says, It's a calculated risk. I lose this fight, I lose my mandatory against Anthony Durrell. But I want to stay active, and I want to box as regularly as possible. I'm confident I'll get the job done. I'll definitely steal the show.
1: <laughs> hey, man! I applaud the confidence. You got to have confidence if you're going to be a boxer. So
0: yeah, man. I, I I love the kid. I love to see him fight. Um, and you know, the bottom line is, dude, Groves is slick as snot, man. Oh hell yeah! He's a hell of a boxer. So you, there is a lot. James DeGale is slick as snot. There's some yeah. good fighters on this card. Yeah, hey, American boxing fans. What 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 fans that listen to the Tale of a Tape on Sports Rant Radio? You may say, dude, you guys have lost it. Right, you've lost it. That's a, it. You're just not watching if you're saying that. Yes, because we are excited. Right, we get to see some of our look. To put this to paint a picture is is that on this night we get to see one of the greatest fighters of all time in Manny Pacquiao. Yep. Okay. You get to see the great White Hope and Chris Algieri. Right. Right? You get two of the best amateur fighters that are now pros on the face of the earth. Right. And Vasile Lomachenko. Oh, I'm sorry, three. What am I right. talking about? Yeah. Zoe Shimming. Right. And Anthony Joshua. Vasile Lomachenko is widely regarded in boxing circles as the greatest amateur fighter to ever fight. That is, nobody uses that kind of language. Three ninety six and one That's insane. <laughs> nobody uses that language. No. Nobody says ever, The is he the great? Nobody says, is Floyd Mayweather the greatest fighter of all time? Nobody says that. No, uh-uh. You know what I mean? No, uh, you can't say it definitively. Like, no. you can say it about Checo as an amateur. Yes. And Zoe Schimming, who is in the top five greatest amateur fighters of all time? I would, you would have to think so. Back-to-back gold <laughs> medals and... And he's being and he's trained by Freddie Roach. Right. You know, so this is a night of, of boxing and a day of boxing because if they offer this uh this British card, it'll start at one o'clock in the afternoon. It'll be over by six PM. You could go out to dinner. Come back. Come back and it just keeps on. You're watching going. you're
1: watching the Macau China card at night, so Yeah,
0: dude. This is exactly what boxing is all about. Yeah. You know, and if if we sound you know, overly excited about it. Guess what? It's because we are. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. No. That's that's all there is to it. That's that's that's
1: boxing's 2014 ending with a bang right there on 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 that night, and then you get your December 13th card as well. Both HBO and well, Showtime sh- and
0: hell, the, the following week you get Terence Crawford and Ray Beltran. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Uh, Provodnikov fights, dude. There's so much within like. The last weeks.
1: the last two months of the year is always the best part of boxing because they everybody tries to get it get in the one more fight yeah. before the year ends.
0: No, you're uh, you're exactly right, man. Uh, so, <laughs> well, just a little note on a on on another British fighter, the Paul Smith Arthur Abraham fight that was highly contested. Right. Okay. Well, the rematch isn't happening, so there was a rematch clause, but it's not happening. And to be completely honest with you, Ben, I'm glad it's not happening.
1: Yeah, I don't think anybody. I mean, Paul, Paul Smith doesn't bring anything. No, he's a, he's a tough fighter. He's a good fighter, but he's gritty. You're right. He's not championship material. I mean, it's just you and I both saw it. I don't see any reason for a rematch there. I mean, was the fight close? Yes, it was close, but there was nothing exciting about the fight or Mm. it wasn't really, didn't seem to be a, a fight between two highly skilled fighters it just was what it was. And I it really, I'm glad you're, like you said, there, we don't need to see a rematch.
0: Yeah. The only thing that was good about this fight was controversy was involved in it. Right. And it was close. Right. Had this not been a close fight, this would have been horrible to watch.
1: Oh, yeah. It was not, not a great fight uh, at all.
0: Okay. Now we backtrack to prospects. I don't know how you call somebody that's in their mid 30s a prospect. But the late arrival to the boxing scene, the professional boxing scene, In the United States, okay, a guy named Luis Ortiz. Now, you came over a few episodes back before we went on the air and watched the Luis Ortiz coyote fight. Mm -hmm. And I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, if I'm misspeaking here, but the first thing out of your mouth was when you saw Luis Ortiz was, holy holy shit, he's huge.
1: Yeah, he's like a freaking Hulk. (laughs)
0: Yeah. I mean, dude, the veins popping out of his shoulders and his neck. Yeah. It was enormous. And Coyote's a good fighter who's about to get a title shot. Yeah. And Ortiz embarrassed him. Oh,
1: my God. Coyote looked like he had no business in the ring.
0: Yeah. So. That's disappointing to hear. So now, yes, the disappointment. Luis Ortiz, I had two guys, two guys, Anthony Joshua and Luis Ortiz as the future of the heavyweight division, at least Ortiz for the next three or four years. Right. And Anthony Joshua for the next 10. What does the guy they call King Kong do? This ding dong voluntarily provides a urine sample. Okay. He didn't, he didn't look, 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 voluntarily submits a urine sample. Oh my God. Okay. Look, Mm. he didn't, he didn't piss for, for weed. Right, he didn't piss for amphetamines. Right, dude, I, 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 I don't even know. He voluntarily submits his urine and tests positive for the banned anabolic steroid nandrolone.
1: Oh my god! <laughs> Did... <laughs> You're <sighs> how uneducated is the people that are? that are in charge of this kid's career. Well, I'm I'm
0: not to give him a pass in any way. I mean, what the hell are you doing? 22 and zero, nineteen 19 knockouts. This dude looked like a huge threat to Klitschko. Just got his break. Just got his break. And he just pissed all over it right there. He had won the WBA interim title, right? Yep. The lineal world champion, Vladimir Klitschko holds the super title. Mm -hmm. Okay. And Ruslan Chagev holds the regular title, so that would have li- that made him mandatorys mm-hmm. for at least Chagev, right? And if he beats Chagev, he becomes Klitschko's mandatory. No mas, okay. If Ortiz's drug test, if 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 it stays true after his appeal, right? The fight against Coyote is a no decision. All right, and he will be suspended in the United States for he'll get, usually it's a nine month suspension for any sort of like diuretic or mm-hmm. amphetamine or anything like that. He'll get more than likely first time anabolic steroid users get a one year suspension. That
1: just completely at 35 years old, the rails is his chance of making any money and, and, and winning a title.
0: Yeah. So his mandatory Who's going to want to fight him when he comes back.
1: Now, all you got to say is I don't want to fight a guy that does steroids. Yeah. And it's been proven. So, yeah. sorry, I'm not taking that chance.
0: Yeah, so his mandatory against Chagev that was scheduled to go forward has now been canceled.
1: That's so friggin' disappointing, man.
0: D- I, I want to see what this guy would have looked like without anabolic steroids. Right. I have a feeling he would have been pretty damn big anyways. Uh, yeah, I don't think it's making that much of a difference. And he's a big-boned feller faux show. All right, so to close the show, and we have not clowned at least I haven't you you are are new to the clowning of of floyd mayweather
1: ah <laughs> <laughs> you're you're exactly right i've I've been on the Floyd bus for years and years. I've just jumped off recently
0: okay who is the most reputable boxing news outlet on the planet? would you say it's ring magazine? Yeah, I would say so okay their rankings are regarded as the most legit overall rankings yes, in boxing yes because they sort of they they, they go down the middle of very, very biased and sometimes purchased positions of the alphabet belts right. um, and their governing bodies. They'll typically, sometimes it gets a little sketchy. It's like, how the hell did freaking Jermaine Taylor get ranked? Right, exactly. You know, stuff like that. But Ring Magazine is reputed. They've been around forever. Mm-hmm. And people always quote the ring, mm-hmm. okay? So this is not rocket science. But there's a poll on Ring Magazine, okay, on Ring, on their website, all right, asking fans of boxing to vote on the pound for pound best boxer in the world. Mm-hmm. Okay, here are the fighters on the list that you have a choice of: Canelo Alvarez, Tim Bradley, Miguel Cotto, Carl Froch, Danny Garcia, Gennady Golovkin, Roman Gonzalez, Vladimir Klitschko, Sergey Kovalev. Juan Manuel Marquez, Floyd Mayweather Jr., Manny Pacquiao, Guillermo Rigando, Andre Ward, other. Okay? That pretty much Yeah, that covers everybody. Pretty much. Yeah. Right. So the there are close to ten thousand votes on here. Mm-hmm. Okay. Floyd Mayweather was ranked the third best fighter pound for pound I- I'm by the f-
1: fans. I- yeah. That doesn't surprise me. I mean, he's just—he's doing nothing but making enemies and amongst fans of the sport. So
0: this is the most indicative thing. This is the largest piece of legitimate evidence that I have seen to prove the absolute decline and utter moronic decisions, attempted manipulations gone wrong, and the fans have spoken and now see through. Floyd Mayweather's bullshit. Right. Floyd Mayweather has groupies that are blinded by his ghetto fabulous lifestyle. Exactly. Okay? So, out of the 10,000 some odd votes. I'm going to say Pacquiao was two and Golovkin was one or the other way around. You're exactly right. (laughs) Number one receiving 45% of the votes. Golovkin. Golovkin. Golovkin had more votes than Pacquiao and Mayweather combined.
1: I mean, I understand where that's coming from. I think that's a little bit, you know, that's a little bit of a reach.
0: Well, hey, dude, but if, you're, if you're gonna if you, if you want to put percentages on it, right, you can't put percentages on it. This is just going like if if you're having a vote, that's what the fans think. Yeah, let's put let's take the percentages aside. The fans have spoken, and Gennady Golovkin is their number one fighter, Pacquiao number two, and Floyd Mayweather number three. What that shows you is is that fans don't want to put up with the bullshit. That's all that says. Right.
1: Right. We want to see a guy who is going to fight and give us a fight, and we don't need the BS that comes along with a Floyd Mayweather pay-per-view.
0: Yeah. No, you're exactly right. And Guillermo Rigondeau had the fourth most number of votes. Andre Ward was fifth. Vladimir Klitschko was sixth. And Carl Frotch was seventh on the list.
1: I mean... it's almost more of, instead of a pound-for-pound pound list, it's, it's like, popularity who's, contest. Yeah, who's our favorite fighter to watch?
0: Yeah, no, you're exactly right. Yeah, yeah I'm just glad that, that that they did this. Yeah. And it was a reputable news source that did, because, to me, anyways, to repeat myself again, is this shows you the state of what fans think of Floyd Mayweather and his
1: BS. Yeah, he's, he's better be careful. Yeah. He's grown tired and ev- with everybody.
0: Yeah, I, dude, I'm so happy right now as a boxing fan. Right. That I could, again, I'll say it again, if I never see him again, I'm Oh cool.
1: Boxing moves on. Yes, sir. Without Floyd Mayweather Jr. thats I don't think he realizes that, but it does.
0: Uh, you couldn't have said it any better, my friend. So that will do it for episode 19 of the Tale of the Tape on Sports Rant Radio. I think we knocked another one out of the park. Are we
1: celebrating episode 20 here next week?
0: I think so. <laughs> I think so. Uh, Maybe we'll videotape the celebration. We'll uh, put up some plastic around the room and get some champagne bottles (laughs) and and ruin all of our equipment. (laughs) Right? (laughs) We'll be slurring during. Look at this (laughs) sale. Let's do a drinking episode. I'm I'm in. All right, folks. There you have it. For my co-host, Vince Cummings. I'm Kenny Keith of SportsRantRadio.com. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at VinceCummings81 and at sports rant radio and drop by the website for all the archived episodes of the tale of the tape so we'll see you next week for episode 20 here on sports rant radio of boxing's pound for pound undisputed king of boxing podcast indeed indeed, the tale of the tape so we'll see you next week same bat time same bad channel and may the force be with you always You've been listening to a special special edition edition of Sports Sports Rant Rant Radio. Radio.